Disclaimer, this episode was recorded heavily in response to the Atlanta shootings, which murdered eight people, including six Asian women. If you're not ready right now to hear anything about that, I don't blame you at all, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Right, so this episode wasn't originally planned this way. Something else was meant to be episode three, and I had all of that recorded and was going to edit it and make a lot of wonderful changes to it, really try to fix up my sound stuff, get nice background music, but then the Atlanta shootings happened, and that kind of colored my whole week to the point where I thought, even if only a couple of people really listened to this at all, I don't needed to say it. I'm Asian. I'm half Asian, but Asian nonetheless. My mother's family is Taiwanese, and I grew up in China because my dad worked there for several years. My Mandarin is comparatively awful given what it used to be because I'm out of practice and I never properly learned Taiwanese or Minanyu, but I'm still Asian and I'm still very proud to be. Part of why I'm proud to be Asian is because of all the strong members of my mother's family who are mostly, if not all, women, and they all do so much while putting up with such absolute shit from racist and patriarchal societies. And that's a big part of why all of this makes me so angry. Because these women were already having to live their lives and keep on going while they were being hurled with all of this crap from all sides. And just now, because of this monster, they lost their lives to just other people's bullshit. I also live in Florida, and I also can't help but thinking that's where they think the shooter was planning to head next, and that just incenses me further. But I think enough about me for right now. It's not about me. I'm going to talk about just the one myth today, and out of respect for four of the Asian women who lost their lives, Hyung Jun Kim, Sun Si Park, Yong Ayue, and Sun Cha Kim. I'm sorry if I pronounced any of those horrifically. They were all Korean ladies, and so this is a Korean myth. While the Asian community covers so many regions, and there's a common thing where China, Japan, and Korea are sort of treated as the only quote-unquote Asian countries, and ignores the experiences of other Asian peoples, such as South Asian or Southeast Asian peoples, I thought that it would be appropriate to talk about this myth in particular. So, this is the tale of Princess Bari. Her parents are a king and queen, hence the title princess, but this didn't exempt her from being treated poorly because of her gender. Her parents have six daughters already and no sons, and when she was pregnant with Bari, the queen had a dream that seemed to indicate some good fortune was coming her way and just kind of assumed that meant that the waited-for son would be born. As such, the birth of a new princess wasn't heralded with celebration but with resentment, and Bari was literally thrown out, the etymology of her name, Bari, coming from the word for abandonment or having been thrown away. The infant is saved, sometimes by Buddha, depending on the variant of the myth, sometimes not, and raised by a standard fairy tale old couple. One day the king and queen fall ill and are told the only thing that can save them now is water from the western heaven. They ask their six older daughters to help them out and go get some water, but all of them make up excuses as to why they can't do that. The royal couple then remember they had another daughter and decide to seek her out. Because she's a better person than I or anyone I know could ever be, she agrees to help out the people who threw her out, 
and go to the Western Heaven. She doesn't owe them anything, but she's still invested in these people, or maybe she's just more interested in doing the right thing and trying to find forgiveness for those who have wronged her. Bari disguises herself as a man and travels across the underworld. While details of the journey to find the water are different across versions of the myth, in one retelling from 1930, Buddha spots her again after she's traveled 3,000 leagues and asks if, being a woman, she can go another 3,000. Bari responds that she would continue moving on even if she was about to die, and Buddha gives her a silk flower that transforms the water before her into land that she can walk across. What is relatively consistent across the variants is that Bari uses shamanic tools, such as spells and a rattle, to aid those suffering in the underworld, people she has never met and people she has no connection to whatsoever. She simply stops to help them because it's the right thing for her to do. Eventually, she encounters a supernatural being either guarding the water or the necessary components for the medicinal water itself. He knows she's a woman and basically says that if she wants any of the water, she'll have to work for him and literally give birth to sons for him. She does this. She doesn't have to, and frankly, she's giving her all and putting herself in harm's way for people who have never appreciated her enough and will probably never appreciate her enough. But she does all of it for parents and for a society that has never understood her true worth. After having up to 12 sons with this supernatural being and working for at least the length of time needed to have 12 sons, she returns to the world of living with the water. The king and queen are being buried, having just died, and Bari uses flowers of resurrection to resurrect them and then uses the water to cure them. She then attains divinity as a goddess of shamans who helps convey souls to the underworld. This is a myth where a heroic woman is centered, but like many myths that originate from patriarchal societies, there's a tragic element to it, where the woman has to go through hell and suffering for the sake of other people. Women's heroism, especially the heroism of Asian women, often becomes to a... It just becomes reduced to a question of endurance. How much can you endure for someone else's sake before you become worthy? before you justify your own existence in a way that Asian men don't have to, because their birth has already justified itself. The crime that happened was formed based on an intersection of racism and sexism that sees Asian women as vessels and vehicles for other people's wants and needs, and literally anything other than actual people. Imagine what a person like Bari, who saved the souls of people she didn't know, could have done if she hadn't been bound by the standards placed on her to be filial to parents and a society that was so easy to throw her away. I don't know how coherent this whole thing is, it's certainly less coherent than I'm used to making this podcast, but if you want to look into places where you can help, there are several organizations online if you just Google places to help the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, along with the families specifically of people who have been harmed, including the women who died. Also, if money's not something you can spare at the moment, just take a moment to listen to Asian people, especially Asian women. I think it's time we heard all of their voices and we centered them all in this conversation. Thanks for listening to me. I hope you have a good rest of your day.